sometimes I'm jealous of babies. They don't need to worry very much about expressing themselves. Whenever they are in a bad mood, whenever something is irking them, they have always one fail-safe method at hand for communicating their distress to others. They cry. They cry. And we all rush toward them to try to cheer them up, to alleviate their suffering, to locate and extinguish the root cause of their torment. Or do we? Well, sometimes we do. Obviously, it depends a lot on whether or not you are the child's mother. Regardless, often our reaction is just, why won't that baby be quiet? Why won't that baby shut the f*** up? What could be so terrible that this baby needs to cry so much? Or simply, that's it. There's no way I'm having kids. Nevertheless, while the baby's problem might not seem that urgent or important to us, I assure you that is not the case. While we might think the baby is blowing things out of proportion, in the baby's mind there is a real crisis going on. In fact, we sense this alarm on a gut level. A baby's wailing cry is so loud, so arresting, that it takes a lot of rationalization on our part to minimize the urgency. It takes a certain amount of giftedness to tune out a blaring siren. listening to The Shrift, Life Tip 9, Amos 3. adults, when something is bothering us, when we need another person's help or guidance, we generally don't start screaming and shrieking and throwing things. We have unlearned this capability. But the fact that we don't cry like babies anymore when everyday problems arise does not mean that our emotions are any different than a baby's. We just express our anguish differently. When a baby is hungry, it cries. When an adult is hungry, he might mutter to himself, I'm so hungry. When a baby is tired, it cries. When an adult is tired, he might yawn or keep his eyes closed for a split second longer than normal, or even say something like, gee, it's getting late. When a baby is freaking out because its mother is away from it for a while, it reacts by crying hysterically for everyone in earshot to hear. But when an adult is freaking out because he or she is going through a breakup with a romantic partner, he or she displays this suffering much differently. He might say, not laugh as long as normally at one of your jokes. He might stop laughing altogether. When you ask her how she's doing, she might respond with, oh, not bad, instead of good. In short, It is rather straightforward to discern when a baby is going through hard times or is in a difficult mood. With adults, the signals are still there, 
but it takes more skill and attention to notice them. Unfortunately, many of us rarely do this. We rarely allow ourselves to tune in to these signals. If we don't take the baby seriously when it's crying its eyes out, we certainly don't take the adult seriously when he mutters that he has a headache. We think to ourselves, how serious can it be? Babies cry all the time, so what? Or we think to ourselves, if my friend's headache were really that bad, he would grab me by the shoulders and shake me and say, please, please help me get rid of this headache. I am suffering. Can't you see how much I'm suffering? We've sort of trained ourselves, not everyone, but many of us, to basically be bad listeners. We've gotten so skilled at filtering out information that we only let something catch our attention if an obvious emergency is occurring. The baby needs to really cry. The adult needs to really complain for us to perk up our ears. When we listen this way, we put ourselves at a major disadvantage in the game of life. Babies may not have inhibitions or insecurities, but adults do. They won't show you their hands so easily. They won't communicate directly exactly how they're feeling, but they will give you tons of clues. In fact, it is impossible not to give clues. We are giving off clues all the time as to our emotional state, and others are giving them right back to us. All we need to do is listen, not for the loud cries or the outbursts, but for the subtle remarks, the almost imperceptible body language, the tone of voice. Then you can know when to give the baby its bottle. Just listen. Treat it like a skill. Get good at it. You'll be the best poker player at the table. We see a case of really bad listening in Georg Buchner's legendary play, Wojtzeck. Let's talk for a moment about this curious fellow named Georg Buchner. He was born in southwest Germany in 1813 and died at the age of 23 in Switzerland in 1837. Despite his short life, he wrote three of the most famous plays in the German literary canon, Leons und Lena, Danton's Tod, and finally, Wojtzeck. Wojtzeck is, by far, his most famous. It continues to be played all over the world. In 1922, it was adapted into a renowned opera by Alban Berg, premiering in Berlin in 1925. The famous German director, Wernag Herzog, made Wojtzeck into an award-winning film in 1979, which I can highly recommend. Tom Waits wrote a song about Wojtzeck in 2006. Buchner wrote the play in 1836, but he died the next year and never finished it. The play then remained unknown until it was discovered 40 years later by the Austrian novelist Karl Emil Franzos in 1875. Franzos published the script, but the play was not performed until 1913 when it premiered in Munich. Now it is, as mentioned, one of the most famous plays in the world. The plot of Wojtzeck is almost laughably simple. Nevertheless, its emotional impact on audiences has proven to be immense. The protagonist of Wojtzeck is the soldier Franz Wojtzeck. He is about 30 years old, is wholly uneducated, and is rather gullible. We would probably call him a fool, 
may be a wise fool, but a fool nonetheless. He is married to Marie, with whom he has a young child. In order to earn extra money for his wife and child, he agrees to participate in an experiment with an overly ambitious scientist in the small German town in which they live. Wojtek becomes the scientist's guinea pig. The scientist himself is not very intelligent either, but he is smart enough to know how to exploit desperate and gullible people like Wojtek. And so, he convinces Wojtek to participate in an experiment in which Wojtek agrees to eat a diet consisting only of green peas. Wojtek was already kind of unstable before the green pea experiment. But this monotone, unnatural diet slowly transformed him from just unstable to jittery, paranoid, delusional, and ultimately psychotic. As Wojtek continues to eat nothing but green peas, he begins hallucinating, ranting, shaking, slowly over time. Yet the townspeople with whom he lives are utterly insensitive to Wojtek's suffering. He gives everyone he comes into contact with ample evidence that he is descending into madness, but no one ever checks in on him. No one ever says, what can we do to help this guy? Or maybe he should stop eating all of those peas. Or maybe we should show him some love and compassion. Instead, they either laugh at him or just nonchalantly tell him that he's going crazy. Sometimes they even beat him up. Put another way, no one really listens to Wojtek even if sometimes they are hearing his words. In one scene, for example, Wojtek says to the scientist, Doctor, sir, everything's going dark. The scientist replies, Courage, Wojtek, keep eating your peas. A few days later and this will all be over with. Wojtek's wife, Marie, becomes more irritated and frustrated with him as he becomes more unstable and delusional she eventually begins an affair with another soldier in the town. She doesn't even do this discreetly. She does so before the public eye and for Wojtek himself to witness. Yet, no one comforts Wojtek as he becomes a cuckold. In one scene, Wojtek sits at a table while Marie begins to dance with her new lover. Wojtek says to his companion, Andres, I've got to go out there. It keeps turning and turning in my head. They're dancing, dancing. Will she have hot hands, Andres? God damn her, Andres. God damn her. In Wojtek's words, you can hear how he is suffering a double crisis, both the loss of his wife and the loss of his mind. Yet, Andres' response is simply, Aren't you ever satisfied? What's all this for a whore? Andres obviously doesn't really hear Wojtek. Eventually, this collective example of bad listening catches up to the townspeople. Wojtek, having eaten one too many peas and having been unheard one too many times, takes his wife to the river and stabs her to death. Because Buchner never finished writing the play, it is unclear what happens to Wojtek himself in the end. Most versions of the drama and with Wojtek drowning himself to death in the lake, but this ending is disputed. The Haftarah this week comes from the book of Amos. Amos was a prophet during the decline and fall of the northern kingdom of Israel 
in the 8th century BCE. After the reign of King Jeroboam II, a Game of Thrones-like power struggle ensued in which Israeli king after Israeli king was either idolatrous or depraved or just irresponsible. This unrest and decadence in the northern kingdom corresponded with the rise of the Assyrian Empire in the east, which would soon invade and conquer Israel in 721. This conquest would cause 10 of Israel's 12 tribes to be enslaved or dispersed. These tribes are now lost to history, hence why we know them today as the Lost Tribes of Israel. This is also why those remaining Israelites today are called Jews, because we are the descendants of a tribe which did not get lost, the tribe of Judah. Anyway, before the Assyrian invasion, there was Amos, and Amos, aghast at the behavior of his fellow Israelites, preached to them their violation of morality. In chapter 3, verse 4, Amos says, Will a lion roar in the forest if he has no prey? Will a young lion roar from his den if he has taken nothing? Unquote. In verse 6, Amos says, Shall the horn be blown in a city and the people not tremble? And in verse 8, Amos says, The lion has roared. Who will not fear? The Lord God has spoken. Who can help but prophesy? In all of these verses, Amos's point is rather straightforward. He's basically saying to the Israelites, you are not listening. The evidence for your errancy is all around you, but you are not noticing it. The sounds are all around you, but you are not hearing them. A lion would not roar if it had nothing to roar about, and I would not be preaching to you if there were not something urgent to preach to you about. Listen up. Listening is an art form that we should endeavor to cultivate. It contains a spectrum of skill levels. There are average listeners and good listeners. There are bad listeners, and then there are terrible listeners. There are also great listeners and truly masterful, gifted listeners. A bad listener misses half of what you say, gets distracted with other tasks while you are speaking, doesn't pick up on subtle or not-so-subtle clues you are giving out, seeking assistance or comfort, or whatever it is you may need. A good listener, by contrast, gives you his or her undivided attention, makes it obvious with his body language that he is engaged in your well-being, and tailors his or her response to your particular needs in this moment. A masterful listener can talk to you at a loud party and make you feel like you are the only two people in the room and you are finally being heard for the first time in your life. We all fall somewhere on this spectrum. Mindfulness meditation can help us to take our listening skill levels up a notch or several notches. Honestly, almost any meditation practice will improve listening skills as meditation trains you to focus your mind on the object of your experience. It trains your mind to be more focused, to be more empathetic, and to be more open to all of the aspects of your experience. But there is one practice which is particularly geared toward listening, and it is called just listening. Just listening. In this practice, you sit and you just listen to the sounds around you, from near and far, from above and below. 
As your mind wanders to analyze the sounds or get lost in other thoughts, you bring your attention back to just listening. This same approach can be applied when you're in conversation. When someone speaks to us, there is often a temptation to interrupt, to rush to give advice, to fill the silence, to get lost in our own thoughts, to think about what to say next. Mindful listening can turn an average listener into a great one. So next time you're out there, listen up. Otherwise, you might have to answer to Amos, or even worse, to Voidsec. Snapshot